Welcome to a live edition of Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekul, joined as always by my friend and colleague Paul Tenorio. And Paul, we have a World Cup roster to discuss. The U.S. men's national team named its 26-man squad for Qatar just four hours ago. I was there at Brooklyn Steel. It was kind of weird, but uh, they named a team. Uh, Devin was there, the hype man, Devin, my old friend. Yeah, Um, but (laughs) 26-man squad. A few surprises, not too many. Got to speak to a good number of players after the announcement, as well as head coach Greg Berhalter. And we are here to break it down, streaming live on YouTube, also on the Athletic Soccer Twitter page, and also, after the fact, for those of you not listening live, on your friendly podcast app. Those of you who are with us live, feel free to leave a comment in the YouTube page. Uh, those will show up for us and, and we will address them. So if you have any questions or you know, if you want to make fun of me and Paul uh, for looking a little haggard, we've been working a lot, okay? <laughs> <laughs> then yeah. feel free to jump in and do that. But Paul, we, we have a roster to break down, so let's just get to it, man. You want to go position by position on this bad boy? What do you, think, how you want to I do it? I think that's the easiest way to go, Sam, is just to like, let's run it down and, and talk about the surprises that we see in the team and maybe some okay. of the questions that we still have lingering. Um, and, and you know what? We're going to start from the back of the lineup, which means we're going to start with probably the biggest surprise on the roster announcement today. I think arguably the biggest surprise is probably two in contention, mm-hmm. one at the beginning and one at the end, if we're going this way. And it starts yeah. at goalkeeper. Ethan Horvath, Sean Johnson, Matt Turner, and that means no Zach Steppen. Sam, when you heard that, when you saw that, yeah, what did you think? What went through your mind? Well, reports came out, I believe, on Tuesday from Roger Gonzalez, CBS Sports, that, that Steppen wasn't going to be on the team. So it wasn't like a huge shock in the moment. Uh, however, it's still a surprise. This is a guy who had been the number one for the U.S. for, what, three, four years? He has a history with Berhalter. He played under him in Columbus in 2017 and 2018. I think started 23 times under Berhalter for the U.S. And when he was healthy, he was the starter during qualifying. I don't know that he should have been. I mean, I disagree with you a little bit on that. I think at the beginning, for sure, when he was healthy, he was a starter. I think there were a couple games where... Look, I think Burhalter certainly showed a preference at times yeah. for him. It was but, tough. You know, it started to get a little bit more difficult for Stefan there as Turner performed the way he did. He was the favorite. You know, he was the favorite going into qualifying. I think if if the injuries hadn't come up, and I think there was, was it COVID that that hit him at the beginning that he missed, or was it an injury? Back spasms. Back spasms. The right off the bat, Matt Turner yeah. was getting ready to go home, mm-hmm. and um, and ended up starting and starting for the whole window. And, you know, I think, um, look, for me, this wasn't a huge surprise. I think um, the writing was on the wall a little bit. If you were paying attention, I kind of got frustrated. And Sam, I expressed this to you. You know, Greg <laughs> I was Berhalter, so mad about this. <laughs> I was pretty upset about it because Greg Berhalter <laughs> answered a question after the Japan loss in, in Spain um, for the reporters that were there. And, you know, Twice he was asked about Matt Turner's Matt Turner's performance against Spain, and twice he against was Saudi, like, against Japan against Japan in Spain, and twice he was like, "Yeah, it was it was fine," and you know there was speculation that because he wasn't effusive in his praise of Matt Turner, that it showed that Zach Steffen was still his starter, and then there was a lot of speculation based on that, and it frustrated me because I I was there as you were. And I feel like I know Greg Berhalter pretty well after this many years of covering him. 
And I, 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 I read the answer as, um, I read the answer as out of the list of things that mattered in the Japan game, that was the 2 millionth and 27th thing to care about it. There were so many things that were bad in that game that, you know, he sure. wasn't, we, we don't, we don't need to get bogged down. My, my point yeah. being that at that point in time, when you looked at what had happened in June, Zach Steffen dropped out of camp. In the days leading into September, he was injured, but he started the game for Middlesbrough right before camp opened in September and mm-hmm. wasn't on the roster. Right. And at that point, right then we, and there... He probably should have taken that as a bigger hint. At yes. That, at that particular Like moment. when Zach Steffen was left off the squad in September after not being on, on the squad in June, I started to look at that as, okay, this is a sign that something might go this way. Yeah. So So understandable from that point of view. Um, Berhalter didn't really explain why <laughs> he left Zach Stefanoff. He got asked repeatedly about it, and every time it was, oh, it's it's more about the other three guys that we ended up taking, Turner, Horvath, and Johnson, and, and how we feel confident in them, and, and whatever. I mean, that's his prerogative. If that's what he wants to say, that's what he wants to say. Uh, I do think that there is room for, <laughs> for a further explanation for sure. Uh, I still thought Stefan would make the team simply because I thought Berhalter would trust him more in the event that Turner gets injured to step into a game. I thought he would trust him more than he would Horvath or Johnson. And therefore I thought he would come as the backup. That is obviously not the case. Interestingly, Paul Berhalter did not commit to Turner as the starter. Turner has been out, missed a few games recently with, with injury at Arsenal. He's returned to the bench to his customary backup role for their last two matches. So he's healthy enough for that. Um, I didn't read a ton into it, but I also thought it was just like kind of weird at the same time that he didn't commit to it. Um, I think, I, got, he'll start, I think he'll start, but I was just like, I, huh, I thought it was coach strange. speak. I mean, he said, you know, it's a lean towards Matt. I think it's like a, on the roster announcement day, when these guys are excited, they're going to the world cup. I'm not going to like tell Ethan Horvath and Sean Johnson. Now you're not going to play. I mean, Sean Johnson's going into this as the third goalkeeper. I, I will address that Al Hollywood question from YouTube. Um, what has Sean Johnson done in the past, say, decade to get a trip? Well, he played well when he got put into a game um, against recently yeah. against Uruguay. He played well in that. He's played very well for NYCFC um, in the last couple years. And I think at the end of the day, I, I don't know. It's funny because the last couple the last week or so, I've been working on two features that have really colored my opinion about roster selection and, and what we've been dealing with the last two days, Sam. Um, the first comes out tonight, late tonight. It's about... I spoke to some guys who were cut from World Cup rosters, and it's about kind of losing sight of like the human side of that and what it was like for for those guys to get cut and how it impacted them. And the second is about glue guys, guys who the the, the chemistry that matters in a roster, how you use spots 24, 20, you know, 24, 25, 26 in this World Cup to add to the chemistry of a team or the group as much as the on field part of it. I think the third goalkeeper more than any position is a big part of that. And I yeah. think Sean Johnson being you're a not, veteran. You're not going to play. You're there to train hard. You're there to be in goal when guys want to take extra shots at the end of training. You're there to be a funny, happy dude in the locker room and pick other guys up if they're having a bad day. Sean Johnson fits all of that. He's yeah. a really, he's a good guy. Everybody very well him. liked in the locker room, very yeah. well respected. And so, I've said this before, this team isn't as young as the one that went through qualifying. It's about a year and a half older. Part of that's understandable because it's been about a half a year since qualifying ended. So about a year yeah. older on average. But you also have Tim Raymond. Um, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it, 
that matters in a young team to, to add veteran voices where you can. It matters. I do want to address Matt Skinner's question. Do I buy the rumors that Stefan didn't want to go if he wasn't going to be the starter? No, I do not buy those rumors. And in fact, I, I would say that this is not about that. Okay. Oh, fair enough. Um, um, shall we move to the defenders, Paul? Yeah, actually, before we move to defenders, I do want to say one thing. I, Greg Berhalter actually brought up a good point that I hadn't thought about when it came to Ethan Horvath, and I thought it was an interesting point, is that Ethan Horvath in recent history has shown twice an ability to step into games when somebody gets hurt and perform in big pressure moments. He stepped in in a promotion playoff game for Nottingham Forest when Bryce Samba, the starter, got hurt. Uh, Horvath came in to close out that game and ensure promotion for Nottingham Forest. And of course, we we remember the Nations League final when he stepped in against Mexico, made a penalty kick save, and yeah. performed well on that. I thought it was an interesting thing. I, I just hadn't thought about that at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a true fact. Uh, I, didn't I mean, it, it, I think it matters for a backup goalkeeper that, like, at least you know Horvath has shown that he's capable of stepping in to big pressure moments if he's called it. Because, like, realistically, Sam Matt Turner is going to start every game, and Horvath is going to get summoned if something bad happens and, and sure, usually yeah. something bad it's happens more, I mean, more, during a game. So more comfortable than I thought it was a good point. He didn't have the experience, but ideally you're not, you're not dealing with that anyway. Um, all right, moving along defenders, five fullbacks, four center backs, uh, center back was, uh, maybe not, it wasn't a, a shock or anything like that. And another one that got reported by our good buddy, Michele Giannone the other day, but Tim Ream for the first time since last October gets called back to the U S men's national team. Uh, he is one of the four center backs on the team, along with Walker Zimmerman, Aaron Long, and Cameron Carter-Vickers. Fullback, it's a it's a bit of an interesting situation. You have four natural right backs and one natural left back. Uh, Anthony Robinson being the left-sided player. Serginho Dest, Shaq Moore, DeAndre Yedlin, and Joe Scally filling out that group. Serginho Dest and Robinson, of course, the likely starters. Scally can play on the left side. Dest can also play on the left side. So that's the cover for Robinson. Uh, Paul, what stands out to you here? It's got to be Reem, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's – well, the first thing is that he chose to bring four full, four center backs and five fullbacks. I, I, I thought it would have been flipped just because the depth is so bad, so much, in my opinion, worse at center back. And there are – you know, when you look at roster flexibility, I thought Tyler Adams, Kellen Acosta could both play outside back in an absolute pinch. Whereas right mm-hmm. now, if a center back went down and you're, if, and then God forbid, a, another center back got suspended or something like that, yeah, you're, you're down to two center backs. No one who's going to play center back if you need an, another one. So uh, I was a little bit surprised by that choice. Uh, there is a question here on um, whether it's about injury concern, bringing, um, you know, bringing five fullbacks. I, I do think that because there of, is here because Dest. Well, yeah. I, I, I because of Dest and also Anthony Robinson in a, in a story to the Athletic talked about playing on one ankle. He can't he's played ninety minutes like six times since for then. sure. But all I'm saying is like I, I I think maybe that factors in, but I I think the same concern exists at center back. So I I would have gone with five center backs and four fullbacks. Berhalter opted not to. And, and yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with what he said about Tim Ream. Like, he's played really well in the Premier League for this entire season, but he was playing well in the Premier League yeah, I, in September when that camp was happening, and I, he didn't bring I them. Sort of, I, so, I was sort of like, Greg Greg was saying, it's obvious. Have you seen how he's been playing for Fulham? And I was like, well, he was playing well for Fulham in September, and you didn't bring him. And he was playing well for Fulham all of last year. Granted, championship, championship. Not the Premier League. 
Still, still a good league, though. Well, I think um, last year is a little bit different because for a lot of last year, Miles Robinson was healthy. Chris Richards was in sure, the mix. They but, were fine at center back. They yeah, had their top three. We have to remember that this is now we're down to the fourth guy on the depth chart as a starter. Fourth, fifth, sixth are now two, three, four on the depth chart with Miles Robinson out with an Achilles, with Chris Richards out with the injury that's kept him out. It's in hamstring. That's been the, the latest one. Yes. He's had a number of injuries since January. So that changed the dynamic. We put course, that in our analysis. Of course. But, he, now, was play, but he was playing well in September. He didn't call him yeah. then. And he said, it's not about form. It's about fit. Tim Ream is not very fast. He's not super good in the air. We want our, our center backs to, to have both of those qualities. We want to play a high line. If we do that, then it's tough to have Tim in there because he's not the most athletic guy. All, all reasonable things to say, by the way. But to come out like so strongly today and be like, well, it's obvious. That was a little weird to me. Um, Either way, I think he made the right call in bringing him. And I'm really curious to see, Paul, whether or not he'll start in Qatar. I think he's got a real chance. Yeah, I mean, I think think that's, you know, based on Greg's answers today, I would agree with you. I think I would have normally said Zimmerman and Long because of, the history recently for the last six games. Those two have been paired together. They also played together a lot before um, Aaron Long did his Achilles. So they have a lot of history as a partnership for sure. But, you know, Berhalter said two things that stood out to me today about Tim Ream. And I think, I think, you know, re I, I think seeing the way he has played Tim Ream has played against premier league opponents and played serviceably well. That There's a lot of pace. There's a lot of physicality in that league. Every yeah. striker you face is really good. And you're playing a lot of the guys that Tim Ream's playing in the Premier League. And so it's a pretty hard argument to say he can't do it in the World Cup when he can do it every weekend for Fulham. Yeah. And I just think that... Especially on that left side with Anthony Robinson, who he plays right next to every week. Yeah, and, and it's not like Fulham's been incredible, by the way, defensively. They've given up a lot of goals. I mean, they're in a good place in the table, but defensively, they've not been like super solid. That being said, when I looked at this situation, when we were doing our roster predictions and things like that, everybody, again, with where we are in this depth chart, everybody has flaws. Like Tim Ream is slow and not great in the air. Okay, should we go through the list of what's wrong with all the other options? It would have been it would have been a huge mistake not to take him. So it's about like what are you willing to deal with and what can you hide the best at this position? Mm-hmm. And I think Tim Ream is showing you that he's capable of holding his own against world class opponents. Yeah. And that matters. That matters. He's certainly, so, he's certainly proven that more than Aaron Long or Cameron Carter Vickers ever have. Yeah. And would so so or on Walker's that note, are, are we gonna matter. make a I don't know if we're, it's a little early to make a prediction, but today our early prediction Center back starting against Wales. What do you think? I don't think he starts against Wales. I think it's long and Zimmerman against Wales because I think Berhalter will anticipate Wales kind of sitting and looking to counter. That's how they like to play. And there will be moments when the center backs will have to chase guys down. And that's the sort of game that Aaron Long is more suited to. I think against England, I think there's probably a good chance you see Tim Ream. I would agree. Harry Kane, obviously a superstar (laughs) striker. But his movement is excellent. He's so smart. I would I would rather have Reem there than than one of the other guys alongside Zimmerman. I think there's a good chance that US plays a higher line against Wales than against anybody else. Yeah. Um and and so I could see Reem starting both England and Iran. Um, because I, I could see the US playing differently defensively in those two games than they do in the first game against Wales. Because Wales doesn't want the ball. They don't. Right. They wanna they don't want the ball. So 
Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Any other surprises at fullback or anything I mean, else Shaq in the back Warren. line? Yeah, Shaq yeah. Warren. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a guy that played a role in qualifying, but he was in and out. Reggie Cannon was a more consistent presence during qualifying and certainly before qualifying. Like you mentioned earlier, he has the ability to play right back, right center back, center back, um, a little bit more versatile than Shaq Moore. Uh, Burhalter's justification for that one was that he really liked Moore's ability to defend 1v1. And given the kinds of players that the U.S. are going to face on the left side in Group B, they're the opponent's left-sided attackers. Uh, a lot of good ones on these three teams, by the way. Uh, he liked that in him. Um, fair enough. Uh, I don't know if Shaq Moore's going to be playing. Yeah. So um, that part, I mean, we'll see. But I guess if you're up a goal, potentially, against Iran or Wales or England, and Serginho Dest is tiring a little bit because he has not been playing 90 minutes regularly, maybe you can bring him in as a more defensive substitution. That's that's a possibility that sounds reasonable to me. Um, I'm not like, you know, I'm not up in arms that Reggie Cannon wasn't called up. I think, I think if, if, if it's more, it's probably because Berhalter thinks he's in better form right now. And I don't have any huge quibbles with that. I, I would say, I mean, I don't know, man. I think based on the answer today, like I think Moore's biggest strength is his 1v1 defending. And one of Cannon's like weaker points is his 1v1 defending. And I wouldn't, I don't know whether to think about Yedlin or more as the backup right back. Like there's a good possibility Yedlin is there as a glue guy. He actually Berhalter said that today that Yedlin is a glue guy. Um, you know, the only player yeah. in this roster with World Cup experience, a really respected veteran in the locker room. We've seen the way he's bonded with Tim Weah. Yeah, We've he's seen older. the way the young guys yeah. come and and he jokes around with them on the training field before games or before training sessions. So it'll be interesting to see if if Moore is the first guy. I I, I thought of the one v one defending because I thought of that Panama game when Moore flew out ahead of that game when when they were out of right backs. Yeah, um, that's right. Last ball line window, yeah. and he played really really well. Um, and so like when I when I saw that he was on the team, like I thought of that, and I thought of the fact that in that game, the memory I have of Shaq Moore is the number. I have to go back and look at the stats. You know, we have True Media now. Maybe we can go back and look at it. But the number of times he won duels in like isolation in space, like it's Panama, it's not England. Um, that's like what I thought of when I thought of his performance in that yeah, game. Yeah, no, I mean, he was good in that match. Uh, again, though, I think ideally, if you're Greg Berhalter, you're not really seeing these guys for more than a few minutes at the very end of a game at this tournament. And that's, that's the funny part about all of these discussions, Paul, is that we can spend a lot of time talking about the 20th or 21st or 25th guy on the roster who probably isn't going to play much of a role whatsoever in the tournament. Yeah. Um, a quick stat to drop on that note from this glue guy story I'm working on over the last five world cups. And the, the dynamics will be different because for two reasons, it's 26 man rosters instead of 23 man rosters. And it's five substitutions allowed instead of three substitutions allowed. But over the last five world cups with those three subs with 23 man rosters, teams have averaged between 18 and 19 players used. So, Usually that means around 18 or 19 of the 21 field players used. So two or three guys aren't going to play. And that doesn't even go into guys like Stu Holden in 2010, who only played four minutes for the U S right. So I think that that addresses that idea of like, when you're building a team, when you're building a roster, it's not always about like the most talented guys at every single position. And in fact, there's a quote in this story from Roberto Martinez saying the biggest surprise he's had since taking over Belgium's team as manager 
and coaching a national team is that it's not ever the best 23 men in his pool. He never feels like he's picking the best 23. He's picking the best individuals to make the best team. And I think that goes to that point you're saying, Sam, is like, we'll pay attention to Paul Ariola getting left off in favor of Jordan Morris and Shaq Moore over Reggie Cannon and, you know, some of these decisions. And we should. But, you know, there are reasons that go beyond simply just what they bring on the field. Yeah. Uh, a quick point on that before we move into the midfielders. The, we've seen a ton of teams have guys go down injured, big stars in the build up to this tournament. And, and the U.S. has Miles Robinson and Chris Richards, who are out with more long term injuries. Luca De La Torre and Weston McKenney had scares, but, but they're both on the team and both look to be in a Matt Turner. Spot. Matt Turner as well. Um, the U.S. is healthy right now, it, like healthier than they've been uh, ever. Well, when you talk about the stars, we've never had them all together. I think it's one time they were all together and it lasted like one game with everyone. Yeah. So so the U.S. is in a really good place from that regard and a lot of guys in decent form too. So good timing on that front. Before we move on too, I want to say Court Murdoch, let's address this while we're at the fullbacks. If, if uh, Anthony Robinson goes down, I think it will definitely be Serginio Dest moving to left back and Scally backing him up. And then at right back, we have a decision to make there. That's that would be my guess. I That's wouldn't be shocked if, if Scally starts at right back in that sure, scenario. For sure. But I but I'm saying like I think the left back starter would be Dest, and then we'll see what happens at right back. That's just based on what we saw in September. I think that's based on the fact that Serginio actually brings something interesting as a left back coming onto his right foot. He's the most dangerous attacking player. Oh, anyways, that's what I think would happen. Okay, let's move on to midfield, Sam. Yes. Uh, do you want to give it to the people, Paul? All right, let's go over. Brendan Aronson, Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams, Luca De La Torre, Weston McKenney, Eunice Musa, and Christian Roldan. Sam, I'll say there's three surprises in this group to varying degrees. First, Luca De La Torre is healthy enough to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, when when he first was injured with his hamstring, Celta de Vigo put out a press release saying he was out for at least three weeks. That would have put his return time on the 20th, which is the day before the U.S. opens against Wales. Greg Berhalter said today he's running at 95% speed. He won't be 90 minutes fit at game one, but he's good enough to come on the roster and they'll work his fitness up over the course of the tournament. Christian Roldan making the team over Malik Tillman, I guess we'd probably say is the, the person most likely that would have filled that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy who you and I in our, in our reporting around this team have heard numerous, numerous times is one of the most popular people in the locker room, in the dressing room. Roldan, not Tillman. Yes. Yeah, Christian Roldan. His he is a, a glue guy to the nth degree. How many times was he in camp and didn't play? Brings it every time. Every time. You know, every single time. <laughs> still there, not complaining. Yeah, I don't think he played at all in qualifiers till he played a little bit at the beginning and a little yeah, bit at the played, end. He played in the first window. Uh yeah. he played in El Salvador against his brother. That was kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Uh but yeah, and then the third one is the listing of Brendan Aronson as yeah. a midfielder. Aronson, of course, has played midfield for the U.S. He played as an eight in that first match in El Salvador way back last September. He also played there uh, in June against Morocco. Uh, went a lot better in that game. Yeah, much better in that than game. it did in El Salvador. <laughs> for sure. Um, he plays in a more central role for Leeds, but he's mostly lined up for the U.S. as a winger. Um, Paul, this is really intriguing to me because the changes to the shape that I've been calling for. And I think that you support as well of dropping Musa a little bit deeper in the midfield, 
almost playing a little bit more of a 4-2-3-1 and having McKenney or potentially Aronson play in that spot higher up. Uh, I think he's really well suited to that role. And with McKenney having this injury, I think there's probably a question about how fit he is and can he go 90 minutes. And if he can't, especially when you're doing quick turnarounds, because these games are four days apart, um, maybe Aronson gets a start in midfield. And that's probably not something we would have expected before McKenney went hurt, went down hurt. But, but the way Aronson plays, I think, fits this team really well. And I like him in the middle, man. Like I think he's better in those tight spaces than he is than he is out on the wing. Uh, and I think we've seen that repeatedly for his clubs, Philly yeah, and I think, Leeds and Salzburg. I mean, not much to add there, Sam. I think you nailed it. I think Brendan Aronson and Weston McKinney are kind of going to be looked at as competing with each other. Yeah, playing well, in the same spot. I mean, I do you know, wonder how complimenting much each other. Competition it'll be. I mean, yeah, like, like I think Weston is the go-to starter, but you're right. Like, I think that, um, you know, his fitness is certainly a question mark. And when you and, and Berhalter said we feel like we're thin at this position, and Brennan can play both. And yeah. so with wet with Weston, you know, not be necessarily being in full health, yeah, I, I mean, I could see Brennan Aronson potentially starting that first game or or coming yeah. on early um, and, to relieve Weston McKinney if you want to give him the start. I might prefer that. Yeah. Like, I think Weston, when he's at his absolute peak, maybe the ceiling's a bit higher there. But I think you have a much more, uh, a less volatile expectation from Aronson. With Weston, you never really know what you're going to get sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I. I, With Aronson, you can sort of rely on him in terms of what his level's going to be. Yeah. Certainly, what his effort is going to be defensively, his ability to press. We've seen that everywhere so it's a good i think it's a good option i think it also speaks to frankly what you talked about earlier the health at the winger position and the options that you have there yeah um and so it's like okay where's the more likely spot that we're going to need brendan aronson and i think right now the 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 spot you're probably going to need him more is central midfield because you've got two guys Mm -hmm. who would be considered two of the top three in those eights in weston mckinney and luca de la torre both injured, both coming in nursing injuries, yeah. both coming in not fully fit, a little banged up, and so yeah. it makes it it makes a lot of sense that Brendan Aronson would be considered there. Tyler do Adams, even, obviously, even most important about player. defensive midfielders. Not yes. really. Look, Tyler <laughs> Adams is not going to leave the field if he doesn't have to. If he does have to, which it's would be bad very for bad for the U.S., it'll be Kellen Acosta that steps in. Kellen's a great guy. Um, you know, everybody's a great guy. Works hard, all those things, but it's a big <laughs> drop off. Um, in that yeah. position, if you lose Tyler Adams, such an important part of what the U.S. does and his ability to win the ball. Just a quick shout out here to Brandon Chu, who, who referenced, who asked how how to best utilize Brandon Aronson. We just talked about that, but all, and also Tyler Adams, who thrives at winning the ball in advanced positions and playing along a six who sits deeper. I don't think it it's necessary playing along a six that sits deeper. It's just playing next to someone that will stay home for him when he wants to go hunting. We see that with Leeds with Roca, right? There's that positional discipline there, and they kind of work together pretty well. Uh, so if you drop Musa a little bit deeper, and, and Adams knows he has cover, then yeah, he can you can sort of unleash the beast, and he can go get it a little bit more. And I think that's beneficial for the U.S. as well. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside 
to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Uh, Paul, wingers, we've talked about them. They are all healthy. Uh, the first three names, obviously no surprises. Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, Tim Weah. We knew they would be here. Um, I would imagine that two of those three will start against Wales, certainly. Uh, I think there's a discussion to be had about which ones it will be. I have an opinion. I think we're in agreement. And then Jordan Morris beating out Paul Ariola for that last winger spot. A tough break for Paul Ariola for sure. He meant a lot to this team throughout qualifying. He's been around for a whole bunch of games in the Burhalter era. He did pretty well when he played in qualifying as well. Um, I think this one probably comes down to the fact that Jordan Morris is a bigger body. He is also fast, like like Ariola is, but he can play striker too. And when you're talking about, all right, both of these guys are good guys. You're not worried about that in any way. They're both going to do their thing in training. They're both athletic. They can both run in behind. They're both the fourth or fifth winger, depending on how you think of Aronson. The tiebreaker is probably to the guy that can play an extra position. And that's Morris. Um, and that's a tough break for Paul Ariola. Uh, I was a little surprised. I thought Berhalter would take Ariola because I thought he, he just kind of really liked him. Uh, but I think that reasoning makes sense, though, too. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I I, I would say that this is a move. I, again, we're getting into guys who yeah. are ideally the, these people ideal are world, not not going to play. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if they do have to play, like based on what I've seen for a while now with the U.S., like Ariola is is actually more productive than people realize when he plays for mm-hmm. the national team, and Jordan Morris has not been. And I I just thought that Paul Ariola earned it more than Jordan Morris over what he's done. I think I agree with you, but I think it's, I think it's just that positional versatility that, yeah, I just, I just disagree with the decision, but again, in an ideal world, when you look at the list of guys that can play winger on this team, Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, Tim Weah, Brendan Aronson, not a lot of room left for not a lot of room left for Paul Ariola or Jordan Morris. So, you know, I'm not going to go it's, it's semantics at this point. Um, and same with striker. Like you've got three guys that you brought to play striker. The likelihood of Jordan Morris playing is 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 like he's on the field yeah. and a red card happens and you can move him up top to run around and be crazy. Sure. Um, but yeah, I was I was a little bit surprised just because of what I thought. I thought Ariola stepped up in big moments when he was called on called upon for the national team. Who, so who would you start on the way? Um, I, I would start Christian Pulisic and Tim Weah. I I think that um. I think you could start Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna, but if you do, it has to be with, in my opinion, probably like Haji, right? Or, or Josh Sargent. Josh I think Sargent. You cannot yeah. start those two, in my opinion, with Jesus Ferreira, because what happens is what happened in September, where you have nobody, basically nobody playing up front. 
because all three guys are dropping, looking for the ball. Nobody was making runs in behind. Nobody was there to be a target. Nobody was there just to even occupy defenders. And it was, it just didn't work. So in my opinion, like I would like, I would not start those three together. I also think that in general, Gio Reyna, just because of his health history, I know he's now starting for Dortmund consistently, but you know, I think that my initial thought would be to bring him off the bench. That being said, for me, I agree with you. It's less about Reyna's health history. That's certainly a factor than just about the fact that he doesn't really defend. And and you can't have that. You just can't. Uh, I think he is a great, great guy to bring off the bench. If you need a goal, if you're having trouble unlocking a defense, you can bring him in 55th, 60th minute, and he can make some magic potentially. But starting, I don't think I would go with him. Tim Weah provides that option in behind. He stays high. He stays wide. He's got a good final ball. He's fast as all get out. Uh, he lets Pulisic kind of clump. He, that allows Pulisic to kind of come inside and do his thing because he knows Wea is going to be providing width on the opposite flank. And then Anthony Robinson can push up on the left. And I think it just works. I think it just makes a lot more sense. And then again, if you need a goal or if you, even if you don't, you can bring Reyna on and, and try and salt the game away. And I think that's maybe the best way to go. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it'll be interesting if you do play Gio Reyna and um, Christian Pulisic together. You know, I think there has to be kind of some mandates to Christian Pulisic to stay high and wide if that's going to happen. Hold um, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This Chase Garduno in the chat. Why is Paul better looking? Maybe Chase. it's the maybe I was me talking about Paul Ariola. Maybe we're confused about Paul's here. Maybe I said something that made it sound like I meant better looking instead of that like he looked better. Ah. It's not okay. about me being better. I thought, I mean, we Chase, talk- I thought be Chase right. was talking about us. And I'm like, Chase, are you blind? What's going no, on? No, Chase th- like why would somebody state something so obvious in the comment section? I, I'm rattled now. What were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Either way, I just think I, I think it'll be interesting to see if you can get Gio and Christian onto the the field together. That it's I I, I don't think it can be Jesus Ferreira. Not that that's a problem. We'll get to that in a second because we have our opinions about the number nine position. Um, Chase says I am. I don't know what he's referring to. Maybe he's blind. Chase, if you're blind, I didn't mean to make light. I apologize. <laughs> um, well, our former a boss. We'll call him boss. Our former boss, George Kureishi, is in the he was section. our he was our boss. Um. Have you spoken to anyone at or around the Federation about what the minimum result that gets Greg an extension to 26 and who will make that decision? Ernie, Stewart, Brian McBride, and dot, dot, dot. Um, I talked I, to have, a random guy on the street outside of Soccer House one time. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, we haven't had those conversations yet. I did ask Greg Berhalter about what he was thinking about his future, and he said um, that was on Allocation Disorder 1v1. You can find wow. the link right here on was the that, Athletic Soccer YouTube channel. Um, where you're watching this right now, you just go back into the history of the videos. It's there, um, and you know he he, he do, it the stock, we, do it after do it after this. Yeah, yeah, stay here and then go to there. Um, you know he he gave the stock answer. I'm not looking forward past 2022 yet. I don't know that there's a minimum. I mean, I can say this. He's I I don't I can't imagine that they'd give him an extension if they get knocked out of the group. But I I suppose if you got knocked out in like a weird fashion where like you played really well and gave up like a really weird goal or something. I don't know. Or you got robbed by the ref. 
or something like that. Yeah, something crazy. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't. I think it's hard to say that there's like a result or a level where you're guaranteed something. I mean, this is U.S. soccer also that we're talking about here, right? We I might mean, have an gave, extension right now. They gave Jurgen an extension before, you know. Paul, I have, I have a thought on around, this. So. I have a thought. I don't have any insight, but th- it would be bad. Do not extend, and Greg, do not sign an extension. Every coach has a shelf life with a team. Yeah. I don't think Burhalter has hit his with this one yet, but he certainly would before 2026. It's going to be a lot of these same players. Uh, I think it would be best for all parties to move on. Um, Paul, let's talk about the strikers, man. This is maybe this is maybe the most interesting group, not for overwhelmingly positive reasons, but there is a lot to unpack here. We, we, we felt good about Jesus Ferreira and Josh Sargent getting the call. And then we were sort of like, all right, who's going to be the third striker? Is it going to be Jordan Pifak or is it going to be Ricardo Pepe? And well, it was, it was neither. It was actually Haji Wright. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so what do you make of the decision to bring Wright over Pepe and Pifak and tell the people what Greg Berhalter told us about this? Well, I think the start, both you and I did our own picks for the World Cup roster in addition to predicting what Greg Berhalter would do. And yeah. in our own picks, neither of us picked Jesus Ferreira to be here. So I think we should start there in that I, I understood that. And in our predictions about Berhalter, I think we both understood that there was a three-man competition for two spots in some ways between Ferreira, Pepe, and Sargent. And I, at least the way I looked at it, and and or I, I thought that Berhalter was going to bring a target striker. Like I, I put in there that he was going to bring Peapock because I thought if you have the luxury of a third striker when you only play with one, that that striker is going to be situational. I didn't even consider Haji Wright because of Berhalter's comments about him back in June when he yanked him at halftime against El Salvador. They were fairly critical for Berhalter in a public setting. I've never seen him say anything negative about a player at a press conference, and he talked about Haji Wright kind of missing not grabbing the opportunity that he was given. And that struck me. And so I just had kind of put him to the side as like, he's out. And I, I guess in some ways, I mean, it's, it's, it speaks to like when Greg Berhalter has been saying to us, like, just cause you're out in one window yeah. doesn't mean you're completely out. Kidding. Like he, he wasn't, wasn't lying. Yeah. Um, I, I understand not bringing. Except about John Brooks. Uh, I, I understand. <laughs> he was always out. <laughs> no, I mean, Brooks has played two minutes at Benfica. So uh, that probably hadn't helped John Brooks. Um, literally two minutes, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand why you're not going to bring Ferreira, Pepe and Sargent. I am surprised and not surprised that Burhalter picked Ferreira over Pepe. He has shown uh, a loyalty to him. You said surprised and not surprised. I am surprised because I think that it is. Why so, are you surprised at all? Of course he brought for uh, I am surprised him. because I just think that like what Greg Berhalter said today about form is what should reign when it comes to the World Cup. Bring your most informed strikers. And the fact is that Pepe is more informed than Jesus Ferreira. Guy didn't score for his last seven games in MLS and hasn't played since October 20th. Last, last five in MLS. Quick correction there. Last seven if you include the September friendlies. There you go. Um, so... Yeah, I just, uh, I'm surprised. I, I, I'm surprised just, I just feel like if you're going to say that the form for Haji is what gave him the the, the advantage over Jordan Pifak, then why 
Ferreira over well, because Pepe. he's it's a player profile question as as the buzzword right Haji was competing directly with Pifak Berhalter said that as a guy who could be a target striker and could be an outlet uh, as, a, as a target man and hold up play and get on the end of balls in the box with his head and of course do some other things too um, but that profile of player okay so you have the target the big target guy covered there and then you have the other two spots with Pepe, Sargent, and Ferreira. Pepe and Sargent, sort of similar in terms of the movements that they like to make. Sargent, I think, is more athletic. I think he's better overall. Um, and, you know, he's been in decent form for Norwich in the championship, just as Pepe has been in good form for Groningen in Holland. Uh, Ferreira is something different. He is a guy that likes to drop in deep. He is fast, but he is small. He cannot be a target forward. He doesn't have the body for it, but he does have the speed to run in behind if he chooses to hang out up there. He often doesn't choose to do that. Um, that's why we wouldn't take him on the team <laughs> uh, because I don't think it really works um, to play him as, as like a false nine, which I think we saw more of in September than we had in previous appearances when he played for the U.S. and played as more of a regular striker. Uh, so I think it's just a profile qu- question, Paul. And that's sort of how I look at it. And he preferred to have the mix of profiles instead of doubling up on one, on two guys that were more similar in Sargent and in Pepe. That's, that's my, that's my takeaway from that. I mean, we'll see. He he's betting on Jesus Ferreira. He feels really strongly about it. Um, I think it was, again, it was at that media session in Spain where he talked about like, oh, people said that Jesus couldn't be a forward. I always thought he could be. How about that now? Because he was scoring in MLS, but he's still not scoring consistently on the international level. Um, and and to address the right over Pepe is gross thing. I, I don't know that I agree with that. Again, it's you're just a bringing a third style. striker. It's a different style of player. It's a different. Style yeah, you're bringing a third striker, and you're and there's going to be a point in this World Cup, or there is a good chance that there's going to be a point in this World Cup where you're down a goal. You need to go more direct. You need to start serving a bunch of crosses in. You need a big target striker that can win those balls, win those headers, get into the box, try to make something happen. And Haji Wright does that really well. He's got nine goals in Turkey right now, four goals in his last four games. Yeah, I don't think um, he'll start in Qatar. I don't think he I really don't think, has any chance. I think he'll come in in those specific scenarios. Late yeah. in a game, even late in a game where you're up a goal and you – might be playing long balls and you need a guy to battle with the center backs and win those long balls and try to hold things up. Like that is what's going to happen. Like, I think you'll see the starting battle between Josh Sargent and Jesus Ferreira, and you'll see Haji Wright coming in, you know, late. And I agree also, by the way, that PFOC is better with two strikers. And I don't think he's been a great fit. Like when he's played with the national team, I don't think he also hasn't scored in love with him, but he hasn't scored since September 18th. I think it is. That's correct. So, you know, that certainly, certainly factored in here. If he was still scoring the way he started the season with Union Berlin, I think I mean Berhalter said said that he would have been in. He was like, if if it was September and he was playing the way he was then, he probably would have been on the roster. Um, So, two questions I want to get to here. Um, Stephen Novak's question is on my screen first, even though it was. Ask second, so I'm just going to go with that one. Plus, he said it's the backwards hat that makes me better looking than Sam, which means he agrees that I'm better looking than Sam. So, Stephen Novak's questions first. Um, <laughs> what player like from this that. roster do you think has the most to gain, specifically in regards to a move to a bigger club? This one's an easier one for me, Sam, but it's because I think you and I both think of them as like as him as the breakout player, biggest breakout potential. 
and that's Yunus Musa, mm-hmm. um, a guy very highly rated when he left London, when he left Arsenal and their youth setup to go to Valencia, um, has played well for the U.S. It's going to be in a bigger featured role for the U.S. in this tournament. And I think because he is familiar in England, was a captain for the U18 side, if he has the type of tournament I think he can have, yeah. He's a guy that Premier League teams are going to target. So I think I mean I think, I think he's probably easy. already being targeted by some yeah. of them. Um, I would agree with that in regards to Musa. Uh, but the World Cup is a big stage for every player, and sure. so everyone has a huge opportunity and a lot to gain. I think Christian Pulisic needs to have a good tournament. Uh, I think he needs to move away from Chelsea, and I think we'll probably see that in the next two transfer windows. I would imagine. Uh, so a good World Cup would go a long way to helping him get to a more desirable destination. Uh, I don't think Tyler Adams needs to leave Leeds, but he's turning heads in England already with the way that he's playing. And if he comes out and has a big performance at the World Cup, I think he'll get some big English clubs chasing him very quickly. Uh, I think Aronson could fall into a similar category there. So I think there are a good number of guys that fall into that. I think those would be the ones that I would, that I would highlight besides Musa. Um, yeah. Anybody I mean, it's else? worth it's worth pointing out. Like, if we want to talk about like guys who are on a much smaller stage who have a huge opportunity, I think the most obvious one is probably Jesus Ferreira because he's going to be starting at a prominent position. If he scores some goals, he could move from MLS to Europe. I think it's a lot harder for Jesus Ferreira has one thing that's really preventing him from making a move a from big MLS. Salary. He has a giant salary, yeah, and no, it's going to be hard to get that anywhere yeah, but, but the it, Premier League. Right, but that's what we're talking about here. Is is if you have a good performance of the world cup, it opens up possibilities like Walker Zimmerman's it's not going to happen for him. He's older. Aaron long is a free agent. And so this, this could be a big opportunity for Aaron long. Yeah. If he, if he starts I think, place. I think he'll have a hard time finding the money he would get in MLS anywhere else in the world. Personally. For sure. But he's, um, he's, and he is turning 30, but you know, he is, he is on a free, he's on a free transfer. Yeah. So if he starts and he plays well, I and think he'll, he'll, be, get some he'll be available right after the world cup right. as well. So yeah, that. He'll he'll have a decision to make. All least. right. Where's the other question that I wanted to get to here? I got to find it. Uh, oh, it was, it was getting ahead of ourselves. Um, at who would be the the leading candidate to replace Greg Berhalter for 2026? Oh. And then I, I want to give another shout out to Stephen Novak because he immediately responded. Uh, and why is it Caleb Porter? Which you know, I chuck, <laughs> I, I chuckle that because of neck tattoos. That's why. Um, I think I think the obvious answer, Sam, is Jesse Marsh. Um. But he's, you know, if, if he keeps, well, he's going to win the Premier League, though. So he's right. going to be out of the question. As long as they stay in Premier League, I don't know what happens. I think, I do think the dilemma here is this is not like the most attractive job in the world for the next two years. Uh, there's not a lot happening. There's going to be a Gold Cup next year that no one wants to play in. There are no World Cup qualifiers. You'll have CONCACAF Nations League. You have Nations League, and that's pretty much it. Unless you get into the Copa America in 2024, I believe is the next one. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm interested to see. I think, I do think that it's the type of job that could lure Jesse Marsh away from Leeds. I don't, I don't, I don't see him turning it down. We are getting very far ahead of ourselves. We're, we're ahead of ourselves. All right. Well, he said that. He said we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> ZC. Um, we have another question on the screen. 
Is that you? Did you do that? No, I didn't do it. Zimmerman, I don't, I don't Dylan Rose, our producer Zim's just picking the questions. Which player left off the roster? Yeah, has I the like best this. chance to make the team for twenty twenty six. Sam, I'm going to let you go first because I haven't. I got to think about this. I think Ricardo Pepe probably. Oh, that's a good um, yeah. I think that's the one for me. Maybe Zach Steffen. Yeah, Zach Steffen was. You can't use two. You got to pick one, so I can pick the other one. Whatever. <laughs> I can hog the ball sometimes too, Paul. Okay. All right, I yeah. picked you. What do you got? Um, all right, so you picked those two. I would say, yeah, there are two names that I had kind of pre- predicted as long shots to maybe break out and and have a chance uh, at the World Cup. Neither of them were able to do it. One of them got hurt, which I think um, really hurt Chris Richards his, his chance. And are you know are there yeah, any other? Chris Richards is is a is a really good answer, and I hadn't even thought of it. I was going a little deeper into the pool here. Yeah. Um, Kevin Paredes. Uh, who's had a slow start, obviously, to things in, in Germany, but is, is starting to get a little bit more playing time, a little bit more of a chance. I think he's got a, a good chance to, to break in. Slonina is a great answer from court. Yeah. Again, another guy. And and Richie Ledesma, who is back playing occasionally with PSV's first team, hmm. um, I think has a good, unique skill set. Problem is the depth chart at the position that he plays. We talked about it today. When everyone's healthy and playing well, it's really tough to break in. But those are good answers. Everyone else had better answers than I did. Sam had two, three good answers, and Court came through with a really good answer. Those are probably oh, your top four right are you there. Ashamed? Are you ashamed? I am ashamed. Um, all right. <laughs> Will they get right. into Copa right. America? Will they I like this one America? from Kevin Kevin Masare, who I almost called Kevin Massacre. Um, I think this is a good way to maybe end the show. If you had to pick a starting 11 for Wales right now. Who would for it Wales? Well, I, I cover the USMNT, but... Oh my um, god! You know what I mean. Paul's got jokes. Carl's very upset about Pepe um, and Tillman being left off for Morrison Rodon again. Uh, I think when we talk about those depth chart pieces, part of this equation is glue guys, guys who are bringing something to the team that are also any, anyways. Pepe, Pepe doesn't play the same position as Morrison Rodon. Right. Um, okay. My starting 11 for the first game of the tournament. Matt Turner in goal. Mm-hmm. Anthony Robinson. I'm going to go Aaron Long, Walker Zimmerman, Serginio Dest. I think set pieces and ability to win the ball in the air against Wales is going to be more important. And and Aaron Long certainly better at that than, than Tim Ream. Uh, we went over that idea beforehand. I think Tim Ream could start against England and mm-hmm. against Iran. Uh, Tyler Adams at the six. Uh, I think you made a really good point about Weston McKenney. So I'm going to say Brendan Aronson and Eunice Musa uh, at central midfield, Christian Pulisic, Jesus Ferreira. And I would start Tim Weah, but I think Greg Berhalter is going to start Gio Reyna. Well, this is, this is a, you, a, you thing. So you get, to Oh, it's that. a me thing. I would start yeah. Tim Weah, but I think Greg Berhalter will start Gio Reyna. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who did you put at striker? My mind is dead. Oh, if I were starting, if I were in charge of the starting lineup, I should yeah. fix that too. Then it would be Josh Sargent starting up top. So you put Ferreira in there. But I think yeah. Greg, if I'm predicting Greg Berhalter's lineup, it is Christian Pulisic, Jesus Ferreira, and Gio Reyna. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if Kevin, what Kevin was saying. If he wanted us to pick Greg's or our own, we're picking our own. I think we're the same. I would do the same thing: Sargent up top, Aronson in the midfield, Wea Pulisic on the wings. And everything else that you said, Paul. So there you go. Oh, Mike is having us do more questions. Mike, I'm, I need to go eat dinner, Mike. Let me live, man. Stan Vbrock says, who picks up the first yellow card for the U.S.? 
Um, hmm. uh, oh. Let's say, I don't know. Luca De La Torre. No, just, if, just if one, Weston McKinney one, starts, it's one him. that's totally ridiculous. That won't be right. Luca De La Torre. If, if Weston McKinney starts, it'll be Weston McKinney. If Weston McKinney doesn't start, it will be Serginio Dest. Uh, okay. That's Fair my enough. prediction. The screen has changed. The screen changed. They, they zoomed means, in on us. I think, I think that, that means, means we get the to show close this over. out. Um, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us and asking questions. Kevin, we're not going to get to Burhalters. That will be for another day. We gave, I gave Burhalter. It only changes. You did. Yeah, you did. For me. All right, Kevin, you should have listened better, man. Come on. Pull it together, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> uh, but thank you guys for listening. This has been fun. Uh, we have a ton of stuff coming out. We have a ton of stuff out already. If you haven't listened, uh, go please check out From Kuba to Qatar, remaking the USMNT, our five-episode podcast about this team and the journey that they've been on over the last few years and some of the structural factors at play behind their rise and all the context. It's a good show. It's a narrative pod. We talked to Clint Dempsey, Demarcus Beasley, Weston Mm -hmm. McKenney, Tyler Adams, Gio Reyna, Greg Berhalter. So there is that for you. Um, a lot we of got different people. Tons and tons of stories that are already out and that will be coming out. We're both headed to Qatar on Saturday night. We will get there on Sunday evening, Qatar time. And the U.S. will train in full and have their first media availability on Monday, early afternoon, Qatar time, which will be very early in the morning on the East Coast and in the middle of the night on the West Coast. So we'll have a ton of stuff. Every single day from the yeah. world's back. And, I, and I, I do want to give a shout yeah. before we get there on, on Sunday and start covering the training sessions. In the next few days, in addition to our roster analysis that's out right now, we've got Sam's homegrown series that's, that dropped today with a piece about Greg Berhalter's high school. Sam spent <laughs> a lot of time, put a lot of effort into Oof. going to crazy high school, crazy high school experience, yeah. crazy, crazy lead to that story. But Sam basically spent some time traveling to the hometowns uh, of a lot of different players on this national team and finding things in those hometown that impacted those guys that made them who they are in some way or another um, really, really cool series. And those stories are going to be dropping every day. Over the next few days, I have one story that's going to be a part of that all, series. But all Sam hung did out a in lot, little a village lot of work. where Weston McKenney lived. I as, did. I spent. I took a train from Cologne, Germany, yeah. and I went to the place was, where Weston McKenney kicked a soccer drinking ball. Drinking beers in Kaiserslautern. Yes, just out in Otterbach, actually. If we're going, well, that's not true. I had the beers in Kaiserslautern, but in Otterbach <laughs> is where Weston McKenney uh, first kicked uh, a soccer ball. So I'll have my hometown from Otterbach, Germany, on Weston McKenney. Sam, who who are some of the guys we can we have Brandon Aronson, Tyler Adams, Matt Turner, Tim Weah, I'm uh, forgetting someone, Sergio Dest. That was a cool uh, one. That was a cool trip to Amsterdam that um, you took. So yeah, yeah. Stay so locked in on the Athletic for that. I've got the piece that I mentioned earlier on guys who have been cut and kind of the human side of that. We're going to be seeing a lot more rosters drop. Um, we'll have a billion on the roster. A lot of different more, articles. I just want to make sure everyone knows. Stay tuned on the Athletic. Thank you guys. For listening to us sam how are you going to close the show awkwardly as we always do on allocation disorder i don't know i'm doing a weird hand thing right now does that count uh, i guess that counts for the youtube people all right well thanks for listening everybody um we will talk to you from qatar until then <laughs>